some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with Tanya Ali and Katie Winton. Good morning, you're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio, your Saturday morning fix of art, politics, news and trash from a feminist perspective. Katie I'm Katie Winton. <laughs> <laughs> so we're a bit thrown up because it is 10.30. I am Tanya Ali. Agenda on FBI Radio's broadcast on Gadigal land and I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people as the original custodians of the land we broadcast on and pay my respects to their elders past and present. I also acknowledge the significance of Redfern as a place of strength, resistance, knowledge sharing and storytelling for many communities and would like to honour that history. I feel like we both were on a dance floor for quite a long time last night. So. Yes. Yes, we were. I, sorry, I forgot my name. Um, <laughs> there's a lot happening on this Agenda Extender version of the show this morning. We're pretty excited to be with you from now until midday. Uh, a heads up that today's show covers issues of domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, so just a bit of a warning on that. Uh, Renata Field from Domestic Violence New South Wales is coming in to talk to us about a panel discussion called Domestic Violence in the Media, which looks at the role and discussion or called Domestic Violence. Yeah, which looks at the role and discussion um, and responsibilities of the media in reporting on sexual assault. Um, and I, yeah, I constantly think about this responsibility uh, of the media in reporting on sensitive issues and how that's often done really badly Um, so I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that panel yeah me too we're also going to be chatting to Medika Thorpe and Pauline Clark for Winda Film Festival 2018 showcasing indigenous films from across the world plus we're going to hear about female filmmakers from FBI Radio's Larissa Shearman the first part of her new series Behind the Lens features a conversation with Megan Riakos director and the president of Women in Film and Television New South Wales plus dance floor stars and DJs Nerida Ross and Maddie Costello are coming in to talk to us about 808s and Heartbreak, which is a night of DJ sets featuring breakup songs only, um, which I have to say is one of my favourite <laughs> genres um, at the moment. So I have so many breakup playlists, uh, <laughs> I'm really excited to hear Honestly, breakup songs are the best songs. Well, I mean, Ariana Grande has, has really set the standard. Truly. I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, should we announce our news? I guess, yeah, let's rip the band-aid off, hey? Um, so Agenda is coming to an end and we've been on FBI Radio for just about two years, just over two years now. Uh, Isabel and I started it um, back in November 2016 and I don't know about you, Tanya, but I'm feeling like I love doing Agenda so much that I don't have the energy or time to put into it anymore and I really love working on the show, but I'm also completely burnt out um, and I'm juggling three other jobs while trying to stay sane and I guess like yeah we talk about burnout so much on the show and I just feel like it's my time to acknowledge my own burnout and I'm ready to do a lot of reading and learning and less talking for a while. (laughs) That's what I'm feeling. Um, Yeah I love Agenda with all my heart and working with you Katie and Mari is such a dream. Um, I've been on the other side of Agenda as a listener um, and was such a huge fan of the show back in the day. Um, So when you asked me to come on board as a co-host, it felt super surreal. And to be honest, I had a bit of imposter syndrome for a little (laughs) bit because like, it's always been such an incredible program. I feel so lucky to have been able to be a part of it over the past seven months. But I am also similarly (laughs) exhausted. I think we've talked about it a lot on air over the past few weeks. 
Um, and I think what I love most about Agenda is that we're able to cover so many different and important things, but that means it's really hard to do it well when you don't necessarily have the time and energy to do it well. We also talk a lot about self-care on the show, and it wouldn't feel right to keep chugging along without like practicing what we preach and acknowledging our burnout like you've done and actually doing something about it, which is really hard. Yeah, and I think that it can make space for something else. In you know, I think the beautiful thing about FBI as well is there are so many incredible, smart, talented people that are just kind of, um, you know, ready to create their own show or do totally. something different. And I think that, yeah, everything has their time, so... I'm excited to see what what happens next. Um, So this is our third last show and our final one will be on Saturday, December 1st. And hopefully we can phone Izzy in and get our producer Mari in the studio too. And I'm going to try my best not to cry. Uh, Katie, (laughs) you should definitely cry. Feel your feelings, which is maybe the most cancer thing I've ever said on Agenda. Um, Yeah, I think you should just live your best life. (laughs) Um, I know we we already talked about Tommy Genesis' new album, and my favorite song from it, but I truly have been just like driving around listening to it for the last week. Yeah. And one of the one of the lyrics is "I'm living my best life," and it feels really good to sing it in my car. So maybe I'll just continue with that, um, just playing that song <laughs> on repeat and not feeling any sadness. Oh, <laughs> that's like a solid plan, right? Definitely foolproof. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong. <laughs> um, now that we have announced that agenda is coming to an end. Can we also talk about <laughs> Celine Dion's new gender-neutral baby clothing range? Yes, she is amazing and ridiculous, and the clothing range is called Celine Nunu. <laughs> Celine Nunu Nunu? I think that's yeah. the... That, just to clarify, that's the ridiculous part of it. Like, yeah. she's amazing, and I think the clothing range is incredible. It's and awesome. Um, let's just let that sit for a little bit. <laughs> Celine Nunu Nunu, uh, we will chat more about after we take a listen to this track from Mariah Carey. It's called Giving Me Life. Featuring, featuring Slick Rick and Blood Orange, which is Iconic like combination. such a weird combo. You would have known, yeah. but... Um, anyway, let's take a listen. You're on Agenda on FBI Radio. Hey, baby, what's happening? What are you doing? We can make it, baby. Me and you. Me and you. Me and you. <laughs> Oh, it wasn't really, it wasn't really, it wasn't really, it wasn't really 
much at all Just a little sensitivity and that's all Here in my heart is where you should be Oh, you are giving me life and it's Some time. Remember them rhymes? Your gold fronts look better than mine's did. Was ecstasy pounding in the PM, clowning me, and that was way before war. Gowns in the skin, giving me life. Giving me life, and it's everything. Mariah Carey. Thinking about when we were 17. Feeling myself like I know a genius.
That was Mariah Carey with Giving Me Life. And speaking of Giving Me Life... Um, <laughs> <laughs> terrible segue. Um, have you watched Celine Dion's new promo video for her gender-neutral kids' clothing oh line? Oh, my gosh, Katie. <laughs> it is wild. And I implore anyone listening, if you haven't watched it already, you you need to. It's, like, it can't really be explained in words. She... Uh, yeah, I feel like... She did this collaboration with Vogue maybe a year ago where she did another kind of series of amazing videos that just, yeah, I don't really know how to explain it in an audio (laughs) medium, Um, but for this one she breaks into a hospital and, like, sprinkles black glitter on newborn babies um, and their pink and blue blankets and the male and female symbols on the wall of the hospital are turned into black and white plus signs and then the babies have, like, these, um, I guess, Swaddles? Is that what you call what, what uh, you wrap a baby in? Yeah, sure. I, I don't <laughs> really know a lot about babies, but yeah. Um, their blankets say, like, new order. And yeah, like, <laughs> and, like, they're super sick. It's so good. It's it's actually, yeah, it's so good. Um, and But she also, like, mentions that she's Celine Dion about four times in the space of, like, a minute and 45 seconds <laughs> that the ad goes for. I mean, if you were Celine Dion, wouldn't you? Well, I feel like it's quite obvious yeah. from <laughs> the fact that the brand is called Celine Nunez. New, new. Like, um, but it's it's really great and I feel like yeah the brand is a partnership between her and co-founders and designers of the kids fashion brand new 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 which you know makes sense to mash those two words together um, and their website states states that the uh, the brand is liberating children from the traditional roles of boy or girl and enables younger people to grow on values of equality and the freedom to strengthen their own power of personality based on mutual respect which is so good yeah and very surprising. I mean, I don't know a lot about Celine Dion um, apart from this video, pretty much, and the the Vogue video that she, you showed me. Like, and I had no idea that she had these kind of politics, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, well, I feel like it's really hopeful for older celebrities, and that we should mm. stop excusing older generations for not even trying to understand things like gender identity and fluidity. Like, I feel like that's the constant rhetoric around, you know, people just like. Well, I don't understand, and I'm from an older generation, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah, and then like, us as, like, gen- the general public kind of being like, oh, fair enough. Totally, like, yeah, like, like, this kind of like, oh, well, we're not even going to, like, yeah, try and educate. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's not that hard to try. It's truly not, and <laughs> go Celine, uh, definitely go take, Celine. take a leaf out of her book. <laughs> it's, yeah, I feel like if you haven't seen it, you should definitely Google it. Um, and even this, the bit at the start where she's like talking, I can't remember what she says, but she's in this like taxi and she's talking about, um, uh, I can't remember. Yeah. It's really I'm, good. I'm not a hundred percent sure, yeah. but I know that the start of it is very like spy movie as well. It's like yeah. extremely intense. There's a bit of an action packed, uh, <laughs> sequence where she's running and there's guns and stuff. Like it is, it's, she gets arrested. It's extremely extra. <laughs> gets, so it's so extra. Yeah. But in a good way for sure. Um, yeah, let's, let's take a listen to this track called Down For You by Maribel. Up next, we've got a chat with Renata Field for domestic violence and the media, a panel discussion. Stick around, you're listening to Agenda and FBI Radio. Let's make a mistake for one night. I know it feels so bad, but so right. Hey, bad energy from you is messing. 
I tuned into Agenda on FBI Radio and in a couple of weeks there's a panel taking place called Domestic Violence in the Media. It's happening as part of the 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence and we'll discuss the role and responsibilities of the media in reporting on sexual assault, domestic and family violence. Before we get into it, we just wanted to give a warning that this conversation will mention domestic violence, so if you can't listen or need to tune out, um, now's the time to do so. And uh, if you need a helpline, uh, 1-800-RESPECT is the number to call or 1-800-656463 is the New South Wales-based domestic violence helpline and they're both 24 hours. We are joined now by Renata Field, one of the organisers of the panel. Welcome to Agenda, Renata. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, can you tell us some of the ways in the media that the media in Australia has influenced public opinions about violence? Sure. So, um, uh, ANROADS, which is the National Research Body for Women's Safety, they have did a research project in 2016, which was all around media and one of the biggest international research projects. Uh, and they came up with some really solid ev evidence that media really strongly influences public opinion. Uh, and so the community's beliefs and understandings about violence against women can be shaped by how the media reports on it. Totally. Um, what are some of the different projects and movements that are currently in place to improve the media's kind of reporting of sexual assault and domestic and family violence? So Our Watch, um, which is the National Prevention Organisation to End Domestic and Family Violence and Sexual Assault, they um, 
have quite a lot of different projects, um, uh, including the National Media Engagement Project. Um, and they've also funded a couple of different projects called Voices for Change, which is what I'm working on in New South Wales. Um, so Voices for Change is um, hosted by Domestic Violence New South Wales, which is where I work. Um, and we do lots of advocacy to end domestic violence in New South Wales. Um, and through Voices for Change, we're trying to support people who've experienced violence to speak up publicly about their story. Um, I think we know that personal stories are a really great way of shaping and um, sharing story and helping people to understand what violence is for people. But we also know that it's really confronting and difficult and can also have really important um, and scary safety concerns. So we want to do that in a really safe and supported manner. Uh, what role do you think the government and other kind of authoritative bodies have in the narrative of domestic violence? Wow, that's a massive question. <laughs> <laughs> Just for a small Saturday morning. Um, uh, um, well, we're chat. also working on um, a campaign called Safe State, um, and you can look that up. It's on Facebook um, or on uh, there's a, a website called www.safenewsouthwales.org.au, and we've got um, about 49, well, exactly 49 recommendations, which are um, leading up to the New South Wales state election, uh, and they're quite concrete examples of what the government can do to actually end um, domestic and family violence because we know that it's actually preventable. Um, I think a lot of people uh, are hiding that fact because it's going to cost a lot of money and is actually just going to take a lot of concerted effort from everyone across the community uh, to end it. But we can end it. Um, there's lots of research that shows us how to do it. We just need to put um, money where the mouth is. Mm, absolutely. Um, this panel that's coming up uh, has a really great lineup of panelists, including Jan Earthstar, uh, Jenna Price, Amani Haider, uh, Nua Haider, and yourself. Um, what kind of different perspectives do you think the panelists will bring to this discussion? Yeah, we're so excited to have a really broad range of people. We've got some people with um, lived experience of um, family violence um, and people who have been um, a journalist in this space for a really long time. Um, Jan's from Our Watch and working on those national um, media um, standards, like I told you. They've got um, Our Watch are doing um, lots of different ways of engaging with media to help them to create better media, um, And but they're also doing um, uh, redoing the guidelines for media to help them to... Uh, people who are such as yourself doing radio or news or whoever um, to make um, make sure that they're doing good quality reporting um, but we really wanted to make sure that it had that lived experience kind of side of it as well um, and we yeah I guess we want to explore all the different ways that people can do it in a safe um, but creative way to um, change a public opinion and create some real energy and drive to create change really. I, I know this will probably be uh, talked about more on the yeah. panel, but um, I was wondering if you could kind of maybe give us some examples or talk about a little bit about how that is done in a safe and responsible way. Yeah, sure. Um, because I, I feel personally like it's not done very yes. safe and responsibly <laughs> yeah, no, quite often. True. Yeah, like from the research I was telling you about, um, only 8% of articles that they researched actually had the voice of a survivor. Um, and that's because most of the media, like 75%, is kind of murder-centric. It's about a particular incident. It doesn't talk about the bigger picture. People aren't talking about the fact that it is preventable, that there's really strong um, drivers like um, gendered stereotypes, which we can influence and change uh, to end violence. Um, people aren't talking about that. People are not interviewing experts in the field of domestic violence. We've got people who've been working in this field for 30, 40 years. They know mm. so much about it, um, but they're not uh, being interviewed. Um, people are not including the phone numbers like you did at the beginning. Um, like 
from the research, only something like 4% of articles had those in them. And of course, (laughs) yeah, listening or reading about this stuff can be really emotionally uh, draining. And um, it's also a great opportunity if people are experiencing this at home that they can uh, know that there's people out there that want to help and um, there are services that can help them. So those phone numbers are so important. Um, and at the event, you'll be launching the New South Wales Voices for Change Media Advocacy Project yep. to end sexual and domestic and family violence. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, I'd love to. Um, so, where I mean, the project's going to have lots of different faces, and part of it is just creating these conversations like today, where we can um, talk about the role that we all have and that the media specifically has in um, shifting culture and um, shifting the community attitudes. Um, but we're going to be doing some training with um, a group of people who've had lived experience of violence and that's going to happen in February. Um, So at the launch we'll open the expression of interest um, process. People can apply to be involved in that training if they've experienced violence and we're hoping to get a really diverse group of people um, so that we can uh, share lots of different stories of um, what violence looks like for different people. Um, So older people, younger people, people with disability. Um, We want to help to get those stories out there so that they're in in the public domain as well. Awesome. Um, the panel will be held uh, in Sydney on Thursday the 29th of November from 6 to 7.30pm with light refreshments available from 530 and tickets are free with an optional $20 donation to safestate.nsw.org.au. Is that the same place that people can go to get information about the event? Uh, uh, SafeState is where you can go to sign on to um, the New South Wales um, election platform Um, but if you search for it on Try Booking um, or on the Domestic Violence New South Wales Facebook page uh, you can book on that way. Awesome and there's also um, a vigil uh, on November the 25th uh, which is going to be held in memory of the 61 women who have died this year as a result of domestic and family violence. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, so as um, you said earlier the um, uh, 16 days of activism are coming up so that vigil's um, being held on the first day of those um, 16 days um, it, obviously any woman is too many people but 61 is really a frightening amount um, and that's not to mention the many people who are just living in fear and um, in pain every day so it's really important that we come out in public to um, talk about this and to um, stand together to say that it's not okay and that we demand change um, so, yeah, I really, really encourage you to come along. Um, the event's on Facebook as well if you want to look it up. Um, but, yeah, we'll be at Martin Place and sending out a strong message that violence is not all right. We can pop some links up to that on our Agenda Show page as well. Renata, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us oh, thanks for having this me. morning. Um, if you've been affected by anything that we've talked about in this conversation, uh, you can call 1-800-RESPECT or 1-800-656-463, which are both domestic violence helplines, and they're uh, open 24 hours. Uh, let's take a listen to the brand new track from Bonoffi. This one's called Bubble. Running to a different rhythm. I always knew that we were different. Easy day, but hard to listen. Don't know why. Call the quiet for a new edition. In my head, I had another vision. I don't want to take another hitting. Makes me cry.
South Wales to showcase women in electronic music.
Nina Girachi for you there with Gardenia featuring Oh Boy. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. We did start a little bit earlier this morning, filling in for back chat from 10.30 a.m. So we've got an extra half an hour of today's show. Um, if you did miss the start of Agenda today, we just had a chat with Renata Field, ahead of Domestic Violence and the Media, a panel discussion happening on Thursday, 29 November. Um, I don't know what that was. I'm sorry about that. Um, I was like, is that just happening for me? <laughs> uh, you can listen back uh, to that chat on the agenda page at fbiradio.com forward slash programs. And we also announced that today's show will be Agenda's la- third last. Third last. Third last. Episode last. ever. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty, oh, <coughs> We're pretty sad to say Agenda... Uh, <laughs> December 1st will be the final episode of Agenda, but to help us through our heartbreak, <laughs> we are joined now by Nerida Ross and Maddie Costello, aka Side Hustle DJs. What a segue. Thank Hello. you. Thanks. I'm really good at them today. <laughs> Professional. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Catch me on Triple J afterwards. <laughs> That's the um, real tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. False news. Um, what is 808s and Heartbreak? 808s and Heartbreak is a party of breakup anthems. It is. And, I mean, at, at its essential kind of idea, it, we just love breakup songs. And we love, I mean, the best songs are breakup songs. And they're the best ones to dance to and the best ones to sing to. But also, I think... It, if you go a little bit deeper, it's it's a celebration for us of the opportunity that breakups give you to kind of feel all your feelings and let everything out and, you know, like... I was thinking that it's like this sad... T- like, it's this time where you feel really sad and everyone feels really sad, but at the... You know you're going to get better because it's just, like, heartbreak fixes it like everyone you know your heart is broken and then you get better so it's this time when you can be really messy and you can feel a bunch of things but you know somewhere in your brain that it's going to be okay and we want to bring that to the dance floor yeah (laughs) yeah I think one of my favorite um type of breakup songs is like this really poppy kind of like sickly sweet breakup song kind of like thank you next you Mm. know like there's this kind of like like the content is sad or maybe heartbreaking or a little bit angry, but it's sung in this way that is like so optimistic yeah, and so totally. kind of um, poppy and happy that it kind of almost feels like more of a fuck you because it's like yeah. you're singing it in this or she's singing it in this way that is really um, upbeat. So um, I think, yeah, sorry, I was going to say, I think it those kinds of songs, there's something really vulnerable about them, but there's something really like accepting of that vulnerability and... You know, when you're going through a breakup, it's the time when you like take a lot of baths and or drink a lot of beer, drink a lot of beer, or <laughs> beer in the bath, and like, <laughs> and you and you like reconnect with all of your friends, and you surround yourself with people who love you, and yeah, I think it's that feeling that we want to bring to a party. And what was the party like? Because <laughs> it happened a lot. One of the well, it's a series of nights, right? It is, yeah. And one of them was last night. I think, like. A couple of my favorite moments are when the whole entire bar just starts singing, um, and it's like men, women, like gender non-binary people, anyone is just singing, like "Fighter" by Christina Aguilera. Or like, <laughs> um, Since you be gone, like oh, everybody I'm knows feeling the, it. And yeah, it's like it's such. And I think that we'll talk about this in a sec, but like the catharsis or the the community that comes from everyone just singing their hearts mm. out to a song <laughs> is just so Like, it's beautiful. messy, but we love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so silly. 
Um, I, I wanted to talk to you both about your DJ style because, like, you really do play dance floor hits and I've witnessed you keep a very strong dance floor going um, for so many hours. I think my personal side hustle favourite was um, at a 30th birthday at the Greek club on mm-hmm. um, in Stanmore and there were those, like, really blown-out speakers. <laughs> I don't like what's happening now in this. <laughs> I, um, also, apologies, like, no idea what I just don't know what's, what's going on. Is, but we'll figure it out. We can work with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> rude. Um... And, yeah, you had this, like, dance floor going for about five hours with these really dodgy speakers, and it was so amazing. Um, and I just, like, wanted to talk to you about the heartbreak song genre for Side Hustle. Like, do you tend to go for really, like, ultimately triumphant songs, or do you throw a mix of, like, sad songs? Like, do you build audiences up <laughs> to get to mm-hmm. the triumph? Like, what's the what's the set list like? Well, I think just on the dance floor sort of thing... We that is such an important part of our style of DJing. Like, we want to give people permission to dance however they want to dance. So, I mean, it's almost semi-performance, semi-DJ for us because, like, yeah. We, we just dance a lot. We just dance a lot <laughs> and, and, and we want to allow people to, to feel like they can dance with us. I like time. To say that we play music that you can wag your finger to, so like in like a sassy way, way. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, which means there's like a lot of lyrics in the stuff we play and a lot yeah, of we a love lot of words, love words, <laughs> just songs with words. Um, but yeah, wagging your finger really lends itself to breakups songs um, because you can like wag your finger at whatever um, or whomever or whomever. Um, I also think that people don't realize, or I don't even think I realized until I started researching this party are that people how many songs are breakup songs like Mm. believe by Cher is like such a triumphant and like you would sing that song at the top of your lungs and not I mean I didn't really associate it with heartbreak until I realized that it was which Mm. is um and yeah like I think maybe maybe the best songs Mm. are breakup songs well possibly some of the most like creative or you know exactly um, yeah like uh outputs of expression come from heartbreak yeah from a very deep dark place (laughs) (laughs) so i think that yeah the genre lends itself pretty easily to dancing because they're the best (laughs) (laughs) they're the best and we love them and wagging your finger is fun Uh, you kind of touched on it before, but can you talk to us a bit more about the dance floor as a space of catharsis? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think it is kind of parallel, if we're talking about breakup songs, it is kind of parallel to that feeling of a breakup where um, you allow yourself to kind of just let everything hang out um, and, you know, when you're really going through it. But um, actually, Nerida and I... Early, early on in our friendship, I think we were both going through breakups and Beyonce's Lemonade came out mm. at a perfect time, perfect time. a couple of years ago. <laughs> and um, we went to, this is the only No Lights, No Lycra event I've ever been to, but we went to this special No Lights, No Lycra event. I was event. there too. Oh my God, were you? Yes. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> we went to I this. <laughs> you should have been, you would have loved it. I know. Um, we went to this special No Lights, No Lycra event that was kind of themed around the emotions of Lemonade um, and, uh, like, the feeling of grief, acceptance, revenge, um, all of the kind of feelings or, like, emotional content of the songs they chose, sort of empowerment anthems and breakup songs to dance to. 
and we just like went nuts and you know it was going all over the place and sweating and screaming and dancing and like stomping and then I think that that was a huge huge release and huge feeling of catharsis for us but also made us a lot better friends I think we decided to go traveling together for three months like that night so (laughs) so many bonds formed on dance floors yeah the best bonds are formed on dance floors and I think as well we've had um, like we've made a couple of playlists for people mm. when it like I I know Katie as well is a um, <laughs> big fan of making playlists and sharing them with people and we had have a breakup playlist um, that we made for a friend and then continue to share it to people in need which I think is a re- like another really yeah. nice way of connecting of being like oh you need this right now mm. that's what so okay so I made one for my sister a few months ago when which is a great playlist she was thinking <laughs> when she was going through a breakup and then I went through a breakup maybe like. I think about. Okay, so. Just <laughs> What's going on? All good. Can you guys share mics? Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> we share everything. So. Yeah. <laughs> the buzzing's gone. Um, yeah, yeah, so I made this breakup playlist for my sister and then. What's uh, going on? Okay. We I don't need know. to share we're, a mic. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Is it that one? What's uh, Mari's like making? Can you come in and help us? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't read your hand gestures. Um, yeah, back to my breakup. <laughs> um, yeah, made this breakup playlist for my sister. Huh? Should we go to a song. Oh, we'll go to a song. Oh, I was okay. Well, we hear your story when we get back. Yes, hundred percent. Stay tuned. Um, you guys have requested this song. It is a heartbreak song by Lizzo. Yes. Um, how does this song make you feel? So triumphant. This is my alarm every morning. Oh, wow. That's perfect. And it Huge. makes me... I, Get out of bed. I hope there are some people waking up to this right now. <laughs> well, it's quite funny. Yeah, it's it's people don't appreciate it that share my bed. <laughs> so, let's <laughs> just take a listen. Like, language running on this one. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Big fight. 
was Lizzo with Good As Hell. Um, we got sidetracked dancing. Um, <laughs> but we're back and we're talking to Nerida Ross and Maddie Costello about 808s and Heartbreak, which is a night featuring all Heartbreak songs. I'm to make that song the number one song in Australia right now. <laughs> we're doing our very <laughs> best. Like, How's that going for you? come to Australia. Well, I, like, I play it at any opportunity I get. So um, if Lizzo could come to Australia, <laughs> I'd cry. I'll, yeah, I'll put in a, um, a request. Yeah, uh, what were we talking about You were about telling before? a story oh, about your breakup. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's not a very good story now that it's Play, been drawn out going. for so long, but it was just about the sharing of playlists. Mm-hmm. So I made a breakup playlist for my sister and then maybe like, I think like three weeks later, I also had a breakup and then I ended up listening to it like more than she did. <laughs> and I would message her being like, have you heard the new song that I've added to the breakup playlist? And she, she was, was like, like, no, I'm over it. Um, I'm in a new relationship now, so <laughs> if you could just stop pestering me with this playlist. But also my lovely friend Oni also made me a breakup playlist and sent it to me which was just it's so nice to hear other people's songs that they I think like yeah. Taylor Swift Shake It Off was <laughs> on that playlist <laughs> and it was amongst like all these other really great kind of like remixes of like obscure techno and stuff and then like Taylor Swift came on and I was like oh my god yes like, this, <laughs> this is something this I can let you yeah, I, I, I love this um, you guys have been DJing together for a year and a half now ish, mm-hmm. give or take. Um, and you clearly work so well and like intuitively together. Anyone who's seen your sets will know that you're just a powerhouse dream team, if you will. <laughs> um, how do you feel like your friendship has evolved or changed through side hustle? It is my moment. <laughs> um, I can't. I'm going to make a love song dedication to Maddie. Because, yes. <laughs> because um, we make lo- Katie makes love song dedications on agenda all of the, all time. the time. And so seeing as I only have three weeks left and seeing as um, it's, you know, in theme, I just um, can't. Like, I think that starting, like, working with someone in a, bu- in a business sort of relationship as well as a friendship is, like, actually a really hard thing to do. Um, and I just can't even I tell people I love Maddie all the time but like um she is yeah uh she has cleaned my vomit on on a bus when I got food poisoning on on a 14-hour bus ride in Mexico uh she made a playlist for me called get your life when I was going to a job interview and she tastes spicy sauces for me before I eat them so that they're not too spicy for me um (laughs) Quick-witted, great at trivia, and my best friend, and I couldn't think of anyone Aww. else I'd prefer to spend every Saturday night with. <laughs> Stop yeah. it. Oh, my God. Aww, that's she also so hates cute. public displays of affection. I do, <laughs> but I'm so. working through it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love you. I love that that came out of a how is your friendship evolved <laughs> question. 
was like, let's she just go deep. She came prepared. I know, it's so sweet. But I you, think you were totally right about that, like working with someone and maintaining a friendship yeah. is super, super hard. Also, the amount of hours that we spend together in a week is yeah. like, I wouldn't hang out with me that much. So I'm just like, the fact that I she would. comes like, yeah, you do. No, uh, it's a joy. Yeah, no, I think it's it's been, you know, really, really good for our friendship in a weird way. And like a lot of the time, maybe we don't see each other outside of work in air quotes um but we'll this time we do spend together is like rapid fire catching up and also playing songs that we love and dancing which is all of our favorite things i feel like that's kind of like tanya and my friendship is like rapid fire catch-ups in between like mic breaks (laughs) we play a song and be like okay go (laughs) and sometimes i'm like I really just hope that we're not, we haven't accidentally put ourselves on air. (laughs) (laughs) There would be some terrible things going to air (laughs) if that was the case. But you do have a particular song. Yes, I would like to play a song to you (laughs) as sort of the, I guess, the point of, because I think when I'm like, oh, I'm having a breakup party and people look at me and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm so fine. Like, I think the, like, the hurdle, the vulnerability, or people think that breakups are really fragile. And I think both of us agree that breakups are really powerful Mm. and, yeah, really triumphant and really fun. And it's fun to feel sad and it's fun to cry together and laugh together and dance together and all those things which come out of breakups. Um, And so to sort of wrap that little idea up... um, I'm making a love song dedication to my friend Maddie, yeah. um, which is I Have Nothing by Whitney Houston. It's oh, yes. my favourite song. I know. <laughs> oh, um, Maddie and Narada, thank you so much for coming on to Agenda. It has been a pleasure to have you. And um, where can people find out about upcoming 808s and Heartbreak? You should follow Side Hustle DJs on Instagram. Yes. Sidehustle.djs. Uh, because Maddie is our content producer and she's really good at it and she makes funny videos and it's a great time. <laughs> I'm really feeling the love today. <laughs> well, let's go to Whitney Houston and now you're listening to FBI Radio. Youth Radio. <laughs> Oh, wait.
You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. That was Whitney Houston with I Have Nothing, and you're tuned in um, to Agenda. <laughs> God, this is a loose show. Um, coming up on the show, we are going to be hearing about the Winter Film Festival, which will be showcasing Indigenous films on November 22 to 25. Uh, but before that, we're going to hear a little more about filmmaking with a story by Larissa Shearman as part of her Behind the Lens series, which you're going to be hearing on Agenda over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Megan Riakos has combated unconscious bias and sexual harassment during her career as both director and the president of Women in Film and Television New South Wales. You may also remember her from that open letter to the Actor Awards in 2016 when she took them to town on their unconscious bias and their selection process. She's a powerhouse, she's getting things done and Larissa had a chat to her about how she thinks the industry can be doing better. During the 90s and the early 2000s, everyone thought, we have got no problems. Women in film were doing great. And it wasn't until Monica Davidson, who was doing a Masters of Screen Business, I think, at Afters, had released her report in Lumina that basically showed that the statistics for women in screen in Australia were worse than they were 20 years ago. And I think it was a bit of a wake-up call. You're listening to Behind the Lens, the show where we figure out what the hell has gone wrong for women in film, one story at a time. I'm Larissa Sheeman. 
The voice you've just heard there is Megan Ryakos. She's a filmmaker and also president of Women in Film and Television New South Wales, or the quite cheerily named WIFT. And this episode will be focusing on her story. We'll go back to her in a moment. But first, let's hear from the woman Megan mentioned at the top, Monica Davidson. If you're in the industry and are interested in the gender gap, you would have heard of her. She was the mind behind two of the last three reports into the situation of women in film, including the article in Lumina in 2013, which is the Australian Film and Television Radio School's journal. It was the findings of this article that shocked Megan and many other filmmakers. In 2013, compared to my 2006 research and then my 1991 research the position of women in positions of leadership was getting worse that we had slid back to the point where 85% of all screen content in Australia was made by men 85% now I'm not very good at maths but that doesn't seem like half to me a couple of years later this poor representation hadn't gotten any better and Megan happened to be at the centre of it She had been told to put her debut feature film, Crushed, up for a nomination at the Actor Awards, which are the closest thing Australia has to the Oscars. And the result was not what she expected. So I submitted my feature into the Actor Awards and was unfairly excluded. And look, I I don't think actor were like, we don't want female films. That's not what it's about. But it's about structures that keep people out and not just women, but minorities, people who don't necessarily have the power in the room. And so I wrote an open letter regarding that. And based on that, we were able to successfully negotiate a change in the rules at actor. The following year, I think it was something like four times the number of female filmmakers were then accepted. You may be thinking... Yeah, but maybe her film just wasn't that good. Maybe it had nothing to do with her being a woman. Well, apart from the fact that it was one of the most successful cinema on-demand releases in Australia for a narrative feature film. We had over 40 screenings across the country, made a sale to Channel 10, we're on Qantas, iTunes, Google Play. It's not because my film was shit. It was because the structures were an obstacle to me. The thing is, Megan was up against it from the start because she was a woman telling a woman's story. When it came time to market and distribute Crushed, I very much felt the brunt of unconscious bias and a market that wasn't interested in female stories. So my film was trying to get distribution just before the big push for women in films. And I found it really difficult. And a lot of them were like, oh, there's no market for this. But you know who my market is? Older women. And the decision makers at a lot of these companies were older men who that film is not made for them. And so they couldn't actually see why anyone else might want to see it. I think you should know that your father and I were going to separate. So you and David are official then? I didn't go looking for someone else. Your father was a broken man after the accident. So you just dumped him? What, like you dumped us? Did you know that he was a drunk? And that the business almost collapsed? And the rest of us worked the past two years to get it back on track? No. Dad was a businessman. Yeah, he was. Until you left. This isn't a unique experience. Monica told us about the concept of the blind judging of another film festival, Tropfest, and how it changed the amount of women nominated. Uh, Tropfest found that a huge number of their winners were male, so they um, introduced blind judging, where they took the names of the filmmakers off the judging panel and just asked them to look at the films as they were, rather than looking at them knowing who the uh, filmmaker was, and the proportion of female finalists went from 5% to 50 in the first year. Once you start rectifying unconscious bias, once you start to see it and rectify it, the change is almost immediate. So unconscious bias was problem number one for Megan. But that's not all. There's another serious problem to discuss here. Sexism and sexual harassment. I think when the Me Too movement blew up last year, a lot of us started thinking about 
what had happened to us and kind of for the first time acknowledging that that was pretty terrible the kind of behavior you have to put up with and again I think the film industry is behind the eight ball in regards to having safety codes and protocols around how do you report sexual harassment I think culturally people didn't even understand that it was not appropriate to tickle a workmate on a film set or make people feel uncomfortable and make that space a very um, masculine space that women felt like they had to tiptoe around. And I've definitely felt that where, you know, someone in a position of power had said inappropriate things to me and I was like, okay, this is somebody who I was hoping to have a business relationship with now and they might get the wrong idea and they've already tried to make a pass and it's unprofessional, but what do I do? Okay, now they're an obstacle in my career. Tickle a workmate? So clearly there is a culture that needs to change, as well as policy guidance from the top. If you're feeling a bit sad about the state of affairs, take hope in the fact that women like Megan are actually doing things that will create change, like introducing ethical bystander classes into film schools, matching up mentors with women who need guidance, and developing policy guidelines with government bodies. So there's hope that things are changing ever so slowly. Before I go, just a big thank you to Megan Rykos and Monica Davidson. On that note, it's advice time. Take it away, Megan. Be really clear about what it is you want and what's going to creatively fulfil you. It is an incredibly difficult industry, but if it's what you really want, then figure out the ways that you can set yourself up so that you can continue to pursue and to create. Even if you're not getting those opportunities, you can create your own now. You can reach those audiences. It will be a lot, a lot of work, but if that's what you really love to do, then it absolutely is possible. Life of a princey Celebrate for the hell of it 
song contains some bad words. This for the cupcake a joke. One million in you broke. He fainted as soon as I spoke. Like Wendy Williams, he stroke. Bitch, I'm so cold. Gotta rock me a thermal and sweater right under the coat. Bitch, I got so many bars that I see Leah Banks call me wishing he sold. No shade. I just be shooting like craps. Ten different flows when I rap. Sleeping on me, that shit whack. I hope the bed bugs attack. Why is my name in your mouth? Tell the dentist, get rid of it right with that plaque. Get it out. Bitch, I'm out here seeing EMs. You just seeing M&Ms in a pack. Running your house and I'm flipping the couch. Yeah, you know this a trap, but I'm not talking mouse. Now I got you tied up like an unfaithful spouse. Put the cash in the bag. I don't got time to count. Cause you know this bitch called the cops. Flavor Flay, she got clock. Up ahead cause she a op. Seeing if she's still alive like Pac. Hey, yo man keep bringing my line. He don't understand the decline. I'ma have to stop him out. Like turning grapes into wine. Still gon' think I'm a keeper Cause I'm dressed every day like it's Easter Bitches be swearing they cute But they look like that bow up on Rihanna's sneakers I'm to check that bitch I'm Netflix rich No Miley Cyrus, I wreck that bitch Bread like a burst so I peck that bitch What's your address? That's how I dress that shit Bullet sent to the heaven, no Keisha code You don't wanna know what the fees are hold These bitches eat it like pizza rolls I'm in a penthouse, but I get my sheets from coals I'm smart with the bag, I'm a great That's the same whole day used to hate but now these bitches in my face like we on beyond scared straight wait yeah ain't none of that i be making bitches mad i pull up in the jag then i flex then i brag you should wear do rag cause your edges look sad think you look make it good but you michael jackson bad bitch you need to stop your nigga asking me why tears a lot i said i don't know can i breathe or not his bread gone like an empty pizza box i'm finna leave this spot i spent 13k on some gucci you spent 13 dollars on your coochie took your ass to see tonchi look bitch you really is a groupie hey shorty if i'm not aware of them you know i'm On a leash, leash. Well, I'ma drink that bitch right the pass mark. I'ma let you choose, but I make the rules. Give me a two, so play it cool. Second the who? Now I never lose. I always come first, like the day April Fools. I take a train to the money, ride a plane to the money, ride a dick to the money. What, what it do? do? I got so much paper on me, my homie thinking that I'm about to go right back to school. Hey, big chopper on me like Bruce. Hey, big mouth bitch, that's a moose. Hey, all my life I've been snapping like a snapple. Yeah, they know I got the juice. Stay late, but your rent ain't paid and your bed ain't made, but you geek. Bitches be dirty, spendies look like lemonade every time they fuck around and pee. I just be riding a beat, always deliver heat, and I eat it up. That's super eats. They don't want beef cause I pop up on bitches like corners when talking in some newer sheets.
Cupcake with PetSmart. And before that, you heard from Princey. That's the new one from her called Celibate. You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio and taking place on the 22nd to the 25th of November at Event Cinema's George Street, the Winter Film Festival will showcase Indigenous films from around the world, from award-winning features to shorts from the bush. This year, Winter celebrates uh, over 40 diverse films and genres, uh, including virtual reality by Indigenous filmmakers from over nine countries, representing 20 Indigenous nations with over 20 different languages spoken. We're joined now by the festival's directors, Medika and Pauline. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Um, Firstly, can you tell us both about um, how you got kind of into filmmaking and how you came to be involved in Winter Film Festival? Well... I probably I'm very new to the industry. Um, I was living in Canada working for Imaginative Film Festival, which is the leading Indigenous film festival in the world. And Pauline and I, Pauline's been a part of that since the inception. It's 19 years old. Yeah, 20 yeah. next year. So yeah. um, I was living over there working for Imaginative, and she. Um, came up to me and pretty much said, and said, do you want to come home? Do you want to come? I was like already two years in. I was like, oh, I've already just settled in, you know. But I just thought about it and I thought, if I'm coming home, this is an awesome thing to come home to. And, you know, and we, I guess we identified a gap in the industry here in, in Australia um, with not really um, having any film festival at that time mm. um, representing Indigenous festivals. Um, so I came back and we started film, the film festival window and it was, yeah, it was quite a quick turnaround. I got back in February. We had the festival in November, so it was pretty crazy. and I'm I suppose an old school Um, I've been in the industry for around 25 years and uh, was a part of the first Indigenous Drama Initiative for Screen Australia um, Indigenous branch it was way back then it was Australian Film Commission Um, and I've been a producer I I started doing a film school course it was called the Lester Bostock Scheme and uh, it was getting Indigenous people into the industry um, and met a whole lot of people that are now players in the industry. So um, I love my job. And, and uh, I worked at Imaginative uh, from its inception way back when, and I just realised I was going to Canada and seeing films from my own country and not seeing them in my own country. Yeah. And I just thought I went, it's such a shame because the gamut of stuff that you see over there should be celebrated on the big screen. And, yeah. you know, it's really good for... Bushmob to see their films being screened on the big screen and being shared with a whole lot of people, you know, because often all they have is the NITVs and the ICTVs and that's great, but they don't get the feedback that they get when they sit in a cinema and have a shared experience. And that's what I found, like, when I was working at Imaginative is... um I was meeting Mob from back home and they were premiering their films in another country. So that was also another reason why we wanted to do Windows because we wanted our, you know, our emerging filmmakers to premiere their films here and establish, you know, filmmakers to create that platform for them here. So, yeah. Um, how, how does the Indigenous filmmaking landscape over in Canada and, like, Toronto specifically kind of compare to that in Sydney? 
Um, I think uh, in a lot of other countries, probably other than New Zealand, um, they they because they don't have an indigenous unit within their film, um, it's a lot more independent. Uh, there's a lot more experimental. Um, there's a lot more um, gritty, uh, no budget features <laughs> that happen. Um, you know, even in Russia, um, one of the films that is playing, you know, there were three there are three people that are trained as filmmakers. They went back to their community and they've trained their whole community to become a film set. Um, and so their films are 100% created uh, and acted by the Indigenous community that's from this very small Inuit group that's up on the sort of east-north of, uh, of Russia. And so, you know, the resilience of um, the filmmakers to be able to... I think think outside the square often, you know, sometimes for us in Australia, um, being able to see that these mob are doing it without the resources, you know. You look at, um, I mean, they look at us and they look at New Zealand and they think that um, we have it all, I think, in a way. But I think uh, for them, they think outside the square. You know, they're often working as artists as well as filmmakers. And so some of the stuff that they're doing is really interesting and they're playing with not just genres, but they're playing with how to tell stories, whether it be installation or um, film, and how do you get to that mass audience, I suppose, in a way. Can you tell us a little bit about... um the the theme uh, the or this year's kind of yeah festival theme of um, under the Milky Way. Um, well, Winda means Milky Way. Um, that's uh, the language from Pauline's community um, nation, the Gumbangi yeah, Eagle, North Coast, New mm. South Wales. So it was really beautiful. I think you know coming together and actually thinking of a name and um, and what it means to us. Um, and you know I think Milky Way from my perspective also is like we, sh- we share the sky right we everyone's different we all you know we come from different lands but when you look up we all s- share the sky but then you you kind of connect with the different like we have the southern cross here or they've got the you know the the northern lights or you know so there's different different ways of connecting to know where you are on on this earth so i think you know and you know we use the sky and the stars as our and you know guidance and and the way you know to talk to our ancestors so and a lot of indigenous peoples relate on that level so many you know on so many different levels and I think that's the way that we can all draw together and, and Winda just kind of brings that in and that we can celebrate films from all over the world under in in Australia so you know the Milky Way being here so yeah Pauline, you've spent the last 20 years helping to develop and mentor other filmmakers and their voices. Um, are there any emerging filmmakers that you're really excited about at the moment? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> there are so many. That's the great thing about um, Australia is that we're seeing, um, you know, it, when we first started, we all had to move to Sydney because that's where the power is. Um, and and so, you know, it was often hard to then sell that we had to do our stories back on country. Um, you know, it's gotten better. <laughs> but it's really lovely to see people like Curtis Taylor, who's, um, you know, lives remotely on the in WA or Tyson Mawar and sort of doing 
both 360 and features and, you know, and short films and, you know, writing a feature at the moment. You know, there's all that bush mob that are just um, hungry to tell their stories, Um, you know, and a really dynamic, you know, they're using often their radio stations that have that are that have got a camera and they go out and they shoot stories as well. So they sort of kind of work within the media industry and are just trying to do new things with their kids or with their elders in the community. And I think that stuff's really exciting. Yeah. Um, we've got some great filmmakers like um, Dylan River, um, up and coming uh, filmmaker. He happens to be Warwick Thornton's son. Um, you know, uh, and watching that next generation of um, kids that have been brought up on sets, um, being really technical and, and really driven about knowing how to tell story in a visual way is really exciting as well. Um, can you talk a, a little bit about the program for this year's festival and, um, uh, yeah, just some of the kind of films that are in the festival? Well, we've got um, our opening night is Falls Around Her, which is directed by Darlene Naponce. She's a Northern Ontario um, Anishinaabe Quay woman um, and she's actually coming out for the film so we're very excited to have her out there um, at, to come out to the uh, film festival. But I feel like we have a lot of it's very feature heavy as well as you know a lot well, that of shorts. Was, that's as the well. amazing thing yeah. is that this year, um, you know, last year we were struggling. Other than Sweet Country, we were struggling to find other features, and it feels like we're on this wave of everyone going, "Oh, we've all been around for about twenty years now. Let's see what you know we can do." And people have been gritty and going and making their features. You mm. know, look at the Greenlandic one on the closing night, uh, among us in the land of. The the shadows um he's a 23 year old filmmaker whose mother is the producer so it's just the community got together and supported him to make his film he learned how to do all of his special effects from the age of seven off youtube um and so that sort of kind of that resilience is so (laughs) awesome you know um winapacha which is the first um film in Peru in an indigenous language ever um, is is a beautiful, eloquent sort of kind of um, film about the resilience of old people trying to, um, I suppose, come to terms with the, their children leaving and having to find a new world for them. And the, the sort of kind of, the, the, I don't know if it's the death of a culture that is in the mountainscape. It's just, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff is really gorgeous. And then yeah. there's bits of action and, you know, I think Angelique's Isle, you know, I keep on saying that the really beautiful thing about that one is it's, it's history turned into her story uh, and, it, and it has a real um, eloquent way of telling, um, I suppose, a an old historical story in a with a really contemporary edge about how to decolonize ourselves <laughs> in this framework today you and, know you know and we also have really great collection of shorts too you know we've got two short collections that are all Australian films so um you know, and that are about love and country and and just really connecting um you know and talking about um you know, also trauma as well and, and how do we heal out of that. So I think, like, we just have a beautiful array of films that, you know, will really talk to 
different people and I think people really take a lot from that and you know and, and the stories that we're trying to tell is the w- of way of healing as well I think you know and this is a way of us kind of sharing their stories and 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 people can take whatever they want out of those films yeah Window Film Festival is happening on November 22nd to the 25th at Event Cinemas George Street. And for more info, you can head to winterfilmfest.com or head over to the programs tab at fbiradio.com and click on agenda. We'll pop up a link to uh, the program there. Medika and Pauline, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are tuned into Agenda on FBI Radio. And I've definitely found out about this next artist. Uh, she has got a brand new single out and I'm really enjoying it. It's Washington. This one's called Claws. Don't let the feeling be fear. Don't let the fearing be a red light. Don't let them whisper It's not romantic. It's a street fight. Real when it hurts Ooh, I think I'm 
was Washington with Claws. Uh, you might remember we had Brie Van Rack on the show a few weeks ago um, and she is curating an evening of performances next Thursday, the 22nd of November called Singles Club. I feel like this kind of ties into our, <laughs> our heartbreaks, totally, <laughs> heartbreak yeah. um, conversation before. Uh, it's part of the backstage music series at Woodburn Creatives and it's a collection of solo and duo exchanges between herself, Marcus Whale, Rihanna Newton, who's a choreographer, and Lauren Brincat, who is an artist, and Cor Fuller, who is uh, a composer and improviser. And the new works will be presented as a kind of speed date between artists and they've been sending each other scores and ideas and sounds as kind of like love letters, which sounds really sweet. It's such a good concept. I really love the idea. Like, um, yeah, we'll definitely pop a link up to more information on that on the agenda page as well and that is all we've got time for this week uh here is king princess covering the velvet underground and nico's 1967 song femme fatale as part of spotify's rise program do stick around for weekend lunch up next and we'll catch you next week oh She comes You better watch your step She's gonna break your heart in two It's true It's not hard to realize Just look into her false colored eyes She builds you up just to bring you down What a clown Cause everybody knows what she does to please She's such a little tease You see the way she walks And even when she talks Does to please She's such a 